0: Welcome to Beyond the Breakwater. Where just beyond the crashing waves of fear, discomfort, and doubt lies the greatest potential for life transformation. We want to guide you into the open waters where the calculated risk you take becomes the turning point for you or your organization to thrive. So drop your anchors and prepare for departure in this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater. Welcome to episode eight of Beyond the Breakwater. Um, With me today is Ed and I'm Lindsay. If you're tuning in with us for the first time, I would jump back to episode seven. Um, We covered a lot in that episode and we kind of talked about what it looks like to go back in order to go forward. We looked at American history and social dilemmas and that's really going to set you up well with what we are talking about today. Um, But before we jump into what we're talking about today, we had a listener um, email us a question. So that's just a reminder, too, for listeners. If you have any questions at all, you can leave us a comment on uh, our YouTube channel or you can email us at hello at beyond the breakwater.org. So the listener asked us, are people who are on government assistance in the harbor when we're talking about this beyond the breakwater analogy or are they in open seas and what does that mean for churches serving them?
1: It's a great question, Lindsay. Uh, I really appreciated the question when we saw that. I think it's gonna, we, we have to go back and look at our model. Uh, let's help everybody understand the model. So let me just paint the picture of what the model is. You have really three components. Uh, you have inland, uh, that would be like, it could be a river, it could be a marina, it could be a bay, it could be a harbor, whatever you want to call it that's inside the land. Then you have this transitional period, which you're in between the breakwaters, if there's two of them, or you're heading out to sea, you're no longer in the harbor, you're out, but you're not beyond the breakwater.
0: And a breakwater is the the pier, right? The, that would be like, like
1: a pier, a large pier, like in South Haven. I know we encourage people to go to South Haven, Michigan, you could look at it. That's kind of the image that we have in our mind. Um, there's different breakwaters, but it's just something that's going to break the crashing of the waves to give you a transitional period between the harbor and the open seas. So you've got the harbor, you've got the breakwater, you've got the open seas beyond the breakwater, which is what our podcast is all about. So when we talk about churches and people and, we, and people that are getting um, handouts or people that are on government aid, And I certainly am not speaking bad of that. There's people that really need that, which is really good. I think it's a great safety net, but I think it's been abused over the years uh, of people that are able to provide for themselves um, are living off of somebody else. And I think that's where it goes a little bit uh, bad. So is it beyond the breakwaters or is it in the Bay? And I would say clearly it's really in the Bay. Because what you have in the Bay is that churches used to, we saw from the 1890s, go beyond the breakwater. They were doing all this really creative ministries in their community. And then it seems like they stopped, and they, they became preaching stations, which is great. That's what they ought to do. That's what God called them to do, but I don't think that's the only thing that God has called them to do. So when churches come in and they're in the bay, there's not a lot of lost people in the bay. I mean, who's drowning in the bay? Nobody, (laughs) because they're in the safe. They could just swim 100 feet and they're on shore, or they can go 10 feet and they're at a pier. So there's nobody who's lost, and I think that's what we have to really understand. Um, So when churches are doing things like, say, a food giveaway or something, uh, it's really like harbor ministry, that people are, yes, there are some lost people, and they're coming to the church in order to get food, but they're there for food. They're really not looking for anything more, and and people get resentful. Like if you're going to stand in the way of them getting food, if you're going to offer food, but then you basically say, "Hey, before I tell you food, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you all about Jesus. Really important." Or you can't get food. People just get resentful. Like you invited me for food, but you didn't invite me for food. It's like a bait and switch. So I would have to say that's a lot of Harbor Ministry, and what we watch is people who may not know Christ, but who are in need. Are going from church to church to church to church, you know, getting aid, just like if you went to, you know, you get money on on a bridge card, you know, that's in Michigan, that's like food stamps, Um, and then they're like, oh, I need to supplement it, so the church is offering food as a food giveaway, so I'm going to go to the church. That's really like harbor ministry, and you're just loving people, taking care of them, and after they leave your place, where's the next church? Where's the next place to go for food? and people are just running around the harbor. Um, I think we're challenging the church. We're starting with the church to think differently. And here's why I'm suggesting that. I want to go back to, I think, I think I've shared this story before, but I think it's one of the most powerful stories. Uh, we were given away a lot of food. We had a coffee house on Main Street, and about 75,000 people were going through this coffee house on Main Street called Journeys every year. And we had a tip jar and every month about $1,200 was given in tips and instead of giving it to the baristas, we used it to buy food. So imagine how many semi-loads of food we could give out. So about every other month, we were given away a semi or two of food. In the course of a few years, we gave away about 275 tons of food. We really thought we were doing great stuff. Yeah, We felt really good about it. That's a lot of food to put on tables. And then we decided to have um, a time where we would interview the people that were given food to, and when we interviewed them, um, there was a gal sitting on my right, and she said, "Ed, I don't mean any disrespect, but this is demoralizing. You're stripping us of our dignity, you're dictating what we eat, some of it's spoiled, there's a lot of carbs, you know you can't even make a full meal out of what you're given to us, and at that point, I'm feeling you know really small." Mm-hmm and I'm feeling really guilty, and I felt like I was doing something wrong. And I remember saying, what do you want? And she said, I'll tell you exactly what we want. We want a store we can afford. We don't want a handout. That rocked my world, because I thought, as a church, we were doing the greatest good. And when you think you're doing the greatest good and the people that you're serving says, says to you, it's not good, you're, you're demoralizing us. Um, that's when I think my whole world collapsed. Um, and I remember I got up and I just walked the hallways. I mean, I felt like I got stabbed. I just felt like, you know like, wow, what just happened to me? I just feel like I got demoralized thinking I was doing good and she was right. She was right. We shouldn't have been doing how we did what we were doing. Food was the right thing, but how we were going about it really wasn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I just want to if if you're a church and you're listening and you're like, yeah, we're doing food giveaways, I would say pause and really listen to what I'm saying and listen to these podcasts. Because what you think you might be doing is the right thing. Maybe nobody's being honest with you, and the people you're serving are not being honest with you to tell you that it's not helping them, it's hurting them. Mm -hmm. And that was a game changer for me. So, boy, if you're feeling like you're there, um, keep listening, because we're going to get you out of that bay and out of the harbor, and we're going to get you into the open seas to say there's a new way and a different way of doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's not just churches too. It's it's a lot of people who are serving. And actually it just reminded me of this story. Um I was talking with a friend this weekend and she's a teacher. And you know how you can kind of look to kids to be really brutally honest with you. Like they'll tell you anything. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can kind of look to kids sometimes to see the things that adults might be experiencing, but they they might not vocalize it. And thankfully, like this woman vocalized it that you had experience with. But my friend who's a teacher, she receives a handful of um, boxes of food to give to her students oh, to wow. bring home to their parents, yeah. like kids and families who are on like government assistance. Mm-hmm. And she said a lot of times like in these bags and in these boxes are food that's like pudding cups um, or Smarties or food that's expired. And she's like, I feel so bad giving Mm. it to these kids Mm. knowing that I'm sending their families home with like this food that is not nutritious to them. And what's interesting is that she gave this food to the kids and most of the kids will either like, they'll hide it in their backpack or they'll throw it away on their way out the door Interesting. or they give all of the food they receive out to their friends and they don't even take any of it. So it's like, they're not even like, it's not doing what the food was meant to do. And there's just this level of like shame and embarrassment that Mm. these kids have. Mm. But I think all of that to say, as she told me that story, I was like, wow, this is exactly what we're talking about and beyond the breakwater. And to see that not only in adults that are vocalizing this, but in kids where it's like these kids have a really honest view of like what is happening in this situation, talking about being robbed of dignity.
1: It makes you wonder, like, if they could put words to their feelings, like, how are you feeling right now? Like, why would they give it away? Why would they hide it? What, how are they see? And when the church is participating in that for adults, uh, I think that's the most telling thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. So to kind of transition what we are talking about today, Ed, I've heard you kind of coin a term called peer ministry. So what does that model look like for the church, especially in when we compare it to Beyond the Breakwater in that analogy?
1: Yeah, okay, so this is going to be a little bit of a bunny trail, um, but I think it's a really important bunny trail for people to to follow along on this. Um, for years, I was trying to just understand, like, what is our role? What's the Church's role? What are we trying to do? And, and I thought about a waterfall. You know, if you think about um, just a body of water, some kind of a river, it has a starting point, then it goes along the river, and it ends in a waterfall. So if you could just picture that— you'll understand a little bit more about life. So all of us are born into a river. Now, the river is a river of sin. We're born into that. That's what David, even King David talked about that in Psalms, about in, in sin or at the time of conception. He was a sinner all the way from the time of conception. That was not something that any of us chose for ourselves. So we're born, we're thrown into this river from day one. And if you don't get out of that river, you're going to go over waterfall well, what do we call that waterfall? That's hell. And I think I've come to realize that there's three really critical questions that we have to ask. And it's really interesting as I've asked this to just groups. One is, do churches still believe in hell? And that's a really interesting question, or that might be a question, our second question, our first one might be, do people still believe in hell? I don't know about you, but I know as I talk around with people, a lot of people aren't sure anymore. See, if there's no hell, then there's no river. If there's no river, then why is the church doing anything? But if people think there's a hell, that this is where we're going, unless we get out of the river, then you ask the question, do churches still believe in hell? But then I think we got to be even more pointed, do pastors pastors Mm -hmm. believe in hell? And I don't mean theologically, I mean practically. Mm Because if we're born into this river of sin, how do you get out? And we know Jesus saves us. But how does he save us? He always saves us through someone else. So it might be a mom. You know, you're floating down a river, your mom comes out. She's floating along with you. Might be a dad, might be a friend, might be a co-worker, might be a grandparent, floating along, telling you about Jesus. And when you get to that point of saying, I believe in Jesus... You actually got rescued out of the river. And here's the amazing part. Jesus puts a life jacket on us. And you know what he wants us to do? Go back in the water. You can't die now. You can't die. That's what he said. If you believe in me, you won't die. And so he throws us back into the water, wants us to get back in the water. Why? To float along with someone else. So we can say, hey, look at what Jesus did for me. Look at my life jacket. You can have it too. Let me tell you about Jesus. And then they get saved and the life jacket goes around them. The church should be finding ways to get into the river. But what I've watched, this is like the harbor. I've watched churches, like when somebody gets saved, they huddle up on land. It's a club.
0: What do you mean by that practically?
1: What I mean practically is that you lose your mission. You don't know what you exist for anymore as a church, and so what you do is you exist for each other only, but I remember Jesus saying the very last thing, go make disciples of all nations, go back into that river. What did he tell Peter? He said, I will make you a fisher of men, get back in the water, that's where you want to go, where people are drowning without Jesus and don't know him. So the, the goal and the call of God is for us to get back into that river. But what I've watched churches do is they start to huddle up. And then they almost get a club mentality. And the club mentality would be like a harbor mentality. Like, hey, look at us, you know. We're a church in the harbor. we got the best worship in town, and everybody goes to that church. You know, then, oh, somebody else has a better children's program. So then they get off on the pier, run to another church, you know, jump on that one. So it's kind of the same analogy of like a harbor church uh, or a church that's clubbing outside of the river, but now this is where people may disagree with me vehemently, I know that, but I believe the church is the church that God called us to be when we're in rescue mode, when we're searching for the lost, when we're seeking the lost, when we're getting back into this river like a pier, that's why we call it a pier ministry, um, like a dock. Um, it would be like a grocery store. You know, that people are coming down, going down the river. They get out for a brief moment. They meet Jesus through you. And we know they're going to get back in the water, but that you had a chance to meet them and be Jesus to them that maybe they've never heard about Jesus. So you got to have some way where you're, you, the church is where the unbelievers are.
0: So where are the unbelievers? Because if right now with this analogy, as we've talked about it with government welfare programs, keeping people in the harbor, um, whether or not they're aboard a ship or they're just kind of splashing around in the in the shoreline. Right. <laughs> um, so if they're coming to churches and churches are serving them, like churches are doing something, they're doing food giveaways. We've kind of heard you talk about your your experience as maybe a little bit more of a harbor ministry. Um, who are the people then that are drowning, and where are they drowning?
1: Boy, I know sometimes our analogy breaks down a little bit. Um, I think they can be in the harbor. I think they can be, you know, out in the open seas. Um, I tend to think more if we're using our analogy, they're in the open seas. You know, the harbor is really for the churches, and and I think a lot of people are. Maybe this is where it breaks down. People are going to those churches, you know, like in the harbor, um, for food, which is great. And I don't want to minimize that because I think that's a great... For some churches, that's all they're doing. Way to go keep it up, be Jesus to everybody you meet. Um, but understand that you may be taking something from them, like their dignity. Um, I think there's a better way.
0: Can you talk about that better way?
1: Yeah. Well, okay, if we're talking about food... A better way is. I want to go back to what this person told me. We want a store we can afford, and there's the key difference: not a free store, a store we can afford. When we heard that, Lindsay, it was um, it rocked my world. Um, I had no money. Um, our church had no money. We were in a lot of debt from a building, and. I didn't know what to do. So I went to the board and I just said, "Um, I want to start a grocery store. And they laughed at me. They're like, wait, you got no money. How are you going to do that? I said, I I don't know, but we got to figure it out. And we did. We figured it out. We went to a landlord who had some open places and, and I had lunch with one of them. His name was Alex. And I just said, Alex, I have a big dream to help feed people, but I don't have any money. And, um, and he kind of smiled and he said, you need a place. I said, I do need a place. And so he said, all right. He believes in it and he gave us a place. And then I went to the church with a grocery cart of food and I just said, hey, how would you like to um, buy a pallet of each one of these? So like a can of corn was $1,700, a pallet of toilet paper is $300. Bucks. And we started a grocery store. But it was five cents over our cost. And we asked the church to volunteer for the store. And This is a different way of doing the same thing. So it's kind of like we went back, we went past those breakwaters like, how do you run a grocery store? I don't know. I'm a pastor. What do I know about running a grocery store? I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about nutrition, but I had to learn a lot. And I think that would be a message for our pastors. God calls you to change first. God calls you to go ahead of the people. God doesn't call shepherds to get behind the people and push them into the water. You know, let's go back to pure ministry. Remember that river analogy? When churches naturally huddle outside the water, that's natural. If the pastor goes to the shore, all the people are right behind him. Like, what you doing, pastor? Oh, just looking at the water. Awesome. We're right right behind you, pastor. Great. If the pastor goes ankle deep in the water... The people are still on the shore. What about when the pastor goes knee deep? Oh, now you just give an opportunity for people to follow you into the water. They can go ankle deep.
0: Yeah, that gives people such a permission to be able to step out. And something you had said to me a while ago, um, when it was really a light bulb moment for me, because I had kind of been in this camp of, like, I have been a part of a Harbor Church ministry, and my thought being, okay, but... It doesn't seem like this is biblical for churches to be running businesses, like but what about the small groups? What about sharing the gospel? What about being in the Word of God? like that is the very thing that is life changing and transforming, not um feeding somebody right and so my question with that too, well, let me back up so this light bulb moment was um when you had shared that churches should be like rescue ships. Yeah. this is our our model for what the church should look like right where there is not a single passenger on a rescue ship. right? And so when I think of what that means for the church, this gives the church and its members and it, the body of the church to use their gifts and to serve serve the people. And kind of how you started the grocery store with the little grocery car asking for pallet donations, right. this gave permission for the church to get involved. And the church was not... They weren't passengers on this ship, but they were able to contribute and were able to, to join in the effort of serving in the community.
1: You're right. Let me finish the analogy, and then we're going to really address what you're saying. When a pastor goes waist-deep, how far can the people go if they're following him? Knee-deep. Right. Maybe Knee deep, waist deep ankle-deep. Mm-hmm. What happens when the pastor's all in?
0: they can go a little bit further, they go way deep.
1: The whole church, if he is all in, now everybody can go all in. Mm -hmm. So what you're gonna have is you're gonna have some people who wanna be in the river and other people are like, I'm really petrified to go in the river. Can I be a support team? Can I be a prayer team? Can I work from the outside? Absolutely. So see, when you talk about a grocery store, you need people, for us, we have people that run the Detroit and pick up loads of food and bring it back. So we need truck drivers. We need people to unload trucks. Uh, We need meat packers because we buy meat in bulk and we repackage it into small packages. We need people that are in the retail. We need people that are uh, donating so that we can pay for the rent. We need Mm -hmm. people that are praying. We need people that are welcoming so that when people walk in the door, and see, that's the first step. When you talk about telling them about Jesus, um, sometimes that's a jump. Like if somebody's walking in who's really far from Jesus but they're hungry and they're looking for an alternative from a food giveaway and then they come into what we call the bridge food center and they walk in and they're greeted and they're loved they just met Jesus you know sometimes it takes people a while to go wow every time i walk in there they're always so nice to me they're always so kind and here's what we found everybody asks the same two questions in their own way But give them enough times of coming to these ministries. They want to know, who are you? Who are you? Oh, Mm -hmm. simple. We're followers of Jesus. That's the simple answer. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then here's the second question. Why are you doing this? Because Jesus said, go love others. Love him and love others. We just want to love you. Mm -hmm. I mean, keep it simple. You know what that does? It brings people to say, I want to know more. Some people like, whoa, I wasn't ready for that that's okay. Keep coming. We'll keep loving. And other people are like, I want to know more. And they take a step towards you. And they're like, this is amazing what you're doing because see, it even messes with them because you're not taking their dignity. And that's why they're like, they take a step towards you. Like you're helping me. I get to buy this. You're not giving it to me. Uh, But Lindsay, I got to tell you, we're really sneaky. We're kind of a hybrid. We're not a food giveaway. You purchase food. We only charge five cents over what we pay for it. So it's affordable now. Then when you check out for every $10 you spend, you get a bonus item free. See, this is people that are, let's go back to analogy, people on the shore, they're shopping. So when people go grocery shopping, who can buy a little extra, buy a few cans of corn uh, bring them to the bridge, put them on the bonus section. So, for every $10 somebody spends, they get a bonus item free, up to four items. So, now we're a buy one, get one. Everybody loves a buy one, get one, right? Hmm. And we go through two to 300 items off the bonus rack every single time we're open. In about a six hour period or four hour period, we go through two to 300 items. Then we have a section that's bread and produce at Hidden Harvest, which is a group that reclaims food from around the community and then redistributes food. So like bread and vegetables. So we get 40 racks of bread every week free. We get 40 rack or 40 cases of of produce that we give away. And that's like bonus, bonus. So if you come in and you spend a couple of dollars, then you get a bonus item, then you get some bread, then you get some produce, all of a sudden, holy smokes, you're a deal store. And people feel amazing because they got to buy it, and then we were able to give these things. But it's the most interesting thing. Lindsay, when somebody walks in the door and a volunteer says, let me tell you about the free section. We've, I've watched this personally. They walk out the door and say, I'm not looking for charity. Mm-hmm. It's just heart-wrenching. So we know when people walk in the door, we've got seven seconds. And, and uh, they walk into the door, we're like, we're a volunteer grocery store. Everything is five cents over what we pay for. It's for any household that makes less than 72000 And they're like, what? Mm. Hooked.
0: So what about in, in the Bible when Jesus was, the, the church and the temple was being used as a market yes. and he flipped the tables. Couldn't you argue that what we're doing is just a business? Like, are we making money? Is the church not supposed to make money?
1: Yeah, okay, you're, you're really, we're comparing an apple and an orange. Um, some people have asked me about that, like your church running a business. We call it an entrepreneurial ministry. The entrepreneurial is, is self-sustaining. See, if you have $1,000 of food and you sell it, now you have $1,000 of food to do it again and again and again and again. So the money never runs out. I know we'll talk more about that later because it's an amazing concept. What was going on in the temple was a little bit different. God wanted the people to offer sacrifices for their sins. But let's say you live 50 miles away. Your animal wouldn't make it. And so you sold your animal. Let's say you sold your animal for $50 and you came to the temple and you wanted to buy an animal, like a lamb, for $50. Now they're charging 200 And you're like, I don't have 200 I sold my lamb for 50, but you've marked it up and you're, you're not allowing me to worship God because you're robbing me. That's what Jesus got so angry about, that they turned his father's house into a marketplace. It was thievery. So now people were not able to worship God the way that he was asking because the people were pocketing the money. I think it's different when a church is leading a nonprofit and their goal is not making money. The goal is to keep the costs down, self-sustaining so that you don't have to keep dumping more money, because that's an unsustainable model. So it's an entrepreneurial way. How can there be revenue coming in to keep this ministry going? But it's not profiting anybody, but it's actually benefiting the very people that you're serving, first by protecting their dignity. Secondly, it's providing the opportunity for them to meet their own needs.
0: So it's it's stretching the dollar of the shoppers yes, and also stretching the dollar of the Bridge Food Center, being able to just recycle what has gone into it to continue doing what it's doing. So there's no profit. Right. So let's go back to the model at the temple.
1: If we were there today and our model, you know our model, I can tell you what we would do at the temple. We would go somewhere and get a lot of sheep for 50 bucks. And we would bring them all in to the temple area, and we would charge $50.50. And the 50 cents pays for the booth that we had to buy to -hmm. be in the temple grounds. And then we would let everybody buy their animals for $50. So they had $50 when they sold their animal, and now they could come and pay $50.50 to keep this sustaining. And then they would have their animals so that they could worship God with their sacrifice. That's actually, if we had the chance, That's exactly the ministry that we would do today is we would make it affordable. But I think I know us well enough that we would also have animals that somebody underwrote. So the person who sold their animal, you know, um, further and didn't have a lot, now they can buy, whoa, they can buy an upgrade. They can buy a better animal to offer it to God with a little bit less money. That would be the same model that we would follow so that we're providing for everybody to do it for themselves. That's the key. Mm. And we don't profit. We just make it available.
0: So that sounds really great. And like going back to this analogy of going beyond the breakwater, having to get creative. My thought too is like, okay, I as a church, like what if we don't have the resources to do that or the personnel? Like what does it take to to take that step out into the open seas? Um who who has been trained to do that? Like, what are pastors supposed to do there? Because I think just lo- knowing what I know about pastors, that doesn't seem like it is the role of a pastor to run this entity.
1: Yeah, I don't think a lot of pastors probably are wired that way. But can they partner with somebody? Is there somebody in the church that they would say, come on a journey with me? And maybe they're doing a food giveaway already. Maybe they have a food pantry. I don't want to discourage that. If they already have a food pantry, beyond the breakwater is, is, I I can tell you where they know they're beyond the breakwater. If you have a food pantry where you give them food away, um, you want to watch the funniest thing is just go back to your board and say, I've decided I want to charge now. And you will get a really bad reaction from people because that's different thinking. And some people will cross their arms and reject the idea automatically. But the pastor would maybe partner with somebody to say, I don't know how to run a grocery store, but you do. You know one of the first things we did? We went and met with a grocery store owner who was part of our church. And we said, we don't know the first thing about a grocery store. Can you show us? Absolutely. He said, come to the store. Mm-hmm. And so we learned from him. Um, and then actually, that was the another thing that I did. Um, I was out. In another store one time, and I, saw, I ran into somebody that I know, and I said, hey, what's your wife doing? And her name is Judy. He goes, well, she's right over there. So I walked up to Judy, and I said, Judy. She goes, hey, Pastor Ed, how you doing? I said, great. I said, do you want to start a grocery store with me? And she laughed. She goes, I don't know the first thing about it. I said, me neither. Let's figure it out. So sometimes you just need a willingness. Um, scary, Lindsay? Petrifying. Let me just talk to pastors for a moment. This is why this is a hard podcast for pastors, because when you go to your church and you say, let's do it differently, what you're saying is, hey, church, fire up the engines on this boat that we've turned off for a while. And they're afraid, people will say, I don't think it's right to you know, sell money. You know, That's what they did in the temple, and Jesus said, don't do that. And they're going to leave your church. And so pastors have a fear of losing people in their church. And then imagine you take your ship to the breakwater and you're so scared, you don't know how to do this, you don't know what to do, never done this before. So I found fear is crippling pastors and it's easier to do the same thing you've always done and hope. Things are going to change for the better, but we know churches are declining. So you're either going to continue to do the same thing, knowing where this is going to end, which is eventual closure of the church, or you're going to fire the engines up, get some people mad, they're going to leave, and you're going to head out to the high seas. And you don't really know what to do or how to do it, but God does. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm hearing a lot of potentials for a call to action here. Could you give just one um, simple step that the listeners can take based off of what we've talked about today?
1: I think the simplest step on this one is really listen to this podcast. Really listen. I think this starts for pastors with a change of heart. I think it takes a pastor to go down to the river and say, God, I don't even know how to do this. I've been trained for this. I didn't study this. I don't know how to do this. I think you got to have a heart to heart. And then sometimes you just got to go talk to somebody and say, I just got really challenged. And I don't know the first thing. And I think pastors should pray that somebody will come into their life and say, let's look at this together. Maybe together we can do something. And if you're not a pastor, go take your your pastor out for coffee, listen to this podcast and say, I want you to listen to this Then Take him out for coffee. Take her out to coffee. Go go visit with them. And just say, what are your thoughts on this? What can our church do? What resources do we have? What are we able to do in the river? Simple. And maybe between you and and the pastor, you just might come up with something that God might say, I have an idea for you
0: Mm.
1: that you've never thought of before.
0: Yeah, this could be the start to something really big for a lot of our listeners, where you can see God do things that you've, you've never seen before. And so I would encourage listeners as they're processing through this, if you have any questions at all, if you want to jump on the phone with us and process, just shoot us an email at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org, and we would really, really love talking with you. But until then, we will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater, a podcast of Elevate Community Ministries. Don't let the conversation stop here. You can email us at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org. We would love to chat with you, answer questions, plan a visit, and help you take your next step. We'll see you next week.